Algar Productions. Algar Productions. No, I'm not going to do it. Come on, we finally find a voice you're good at and you won't do it. What does that mean? I've got a huge range. I've played 19 U.S. presidents. Have you, though? Hey, guys, what's going on? Oh, hey, Matt. Matt, will you tell your stupid co-host to work his H. John Benjamin impression into the show somewhere? You have an H. John Benjamin impression? Ow! Yes. Can I hear it? (sighs) Are we not doing phrasing anymore? Hey, Linda, we're out of pickles. Grill me a cheese. Wow, that's actually not bad. What do you mean, actually? I'm a good voice actor. Uh Uh-huh. So why won't he do it? Standing right here. Who knows? You know how he gets. Uh, no. It's amazing we managed to get this show out at all with all of his stupid excuses. It's not a stupid excuse. The voice actors union... Oh, you mean Local 204? Right, them. They're already really unhappy about the whole unpaid voice acting players thing. And if they knew we were deliberately imitating a member of the union... Local 204. Yes, Local 204. If they found out we were using an H. John Benjamin impersonator instead of hiring the real H. John Benjamin... Wait, is that an option? Well, you keep the books, Matt. You tell us. I do. I can say with confidence that we can't afford him. Come on, it's not like anyone even listens to this show. Oh, really, Mother? Ah! What's wrong, Mother? Don't you like it when I talk to you like this? Mother? Stop it! Stop it! Don't call your wife Mother! That's gross! Or I could call you Louise. Aren't you comfortable with being my daughter? Huh. I just assumed that kind of talk was normal for them. This is the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast. Featuring the Sarcastic Voyage unpaid voice acting players. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Hi, yes, hello. Welcome to the Sarcastic Voyage Podcast. Why did I ever get to say, yeah, hi, yes, hello? We tried that once and you ruined it. Yes, hello, hi. They threw eggs, Matt. Then they threw tomatoes and diced onions and shredded cheese. Uh, In fairness, you're the one who wanted to put an omelet bar in the audience. Since when do you care about fairness? I'm wearing shoes with lifts. So, Matt, you've recently had some changes in your personal life, is that right? Yes, I beat Alien Isolation. Thanks for noticing. It's about time you took an interest in my... No, uh... I meant you moved. I... I mean, real me did. Uh, fictional me who lives here on this space station with you, he lives here on this space station with you. They're different guys, right? Yes, of course. We live here in space on this space station where we record the show. <laughs> what, what's going on? The station is fading out of existence because you stopped believing in it. Should we clap our hands? Whoa, what happened? Do you really want me to explain it? Not even a little bit. See you at the end of the show, everyone. And now the adventures of Nick and Willikins. Last time, Nick met his father and discovered that Willikins was gay. Yes, thank you, that'll be all. I beg your pardon? I was here for that bit. There's no need for a recap. In fact, now that my wayward offspring has finally found his way back home... Your services, such as they are, are no longer required. Father, that's our narrator! Yes, lad, I'm quite aware of who he is. I hired the man some years ago to keep me apprised of your whereabouts and activities. 
And now that you're here, there's not much need for him, is there? Is there? Oh, keep up, lad. We're English. Most of our questions aren't questions, they're just punctuation, aren't they? Are they? Yes. Now, in order of importance from least to most, you, the bent butler. You still disgust me. I'm just happy to be included. Well, I can not say the word happy. I find it unsettling. Quiet, boy. You, voice man. I think you'll find your compensation rather generous, and I also think you'll find the exit is that way. So that's, that's it? After eight years of diligent and faithful service, you're wishing me good luck and showing me the door? I'm quite sure I never wished you good luck. Now off with you. Now what am I supposed to do? Do you know how hard it is to find work as an omniscient narrator? I guess now I'll have to do a Kickstarter. Or Patreon. Or Patreon. And I guess I'll have to figure out how to pronounce that word. Now, lad. It's time we dealt with you, isn't it? Isn't it? <sighs> were it not for the indomitable spirit of our noble bloodline... I'd say you were a lost cause, boy. I've always wanted to be indomitable. Yes, you've always wanted to be a lot of things. And that's the trouble. This is what I've been saying for... Yes, thank you. I think I've made it quite clear that nobody's interested in what you have to say. You... You... Gay? Oh, yes, thank you, lad. I still don't know what that means. With respect, my lord, if my services are no longer required, I would be happy to be dismissed right along with the narrator. Is that word again? Happy. Just doesn't sound right coming out of you. Oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Thought I was pretty clear on the subject, yes. Much as I'd prefer my boy's man to be a... Well, a man. I haven't time to retrain another. No, you're staying put. We've quite a lot of lost time to make up for as it is. Are we going to make up for all the father and son bonding time I've missed? I expect I have a substantial backlog of Christmas crackers, ice lollies, choco ices... Focus, lad. I've been summoning you home for literally years. And you've neglected the call long enough, haven't you? Haven't I? Did you think the increasingly unlikely procession of notable personages in your life was due to your sparkling personality? Ha! Ow! What do you mean? I mean, to take the most recent example, did you really think that Manchester United rang you up for no very good reason? Well, I had sort of assumed they found me because I'm Nick. They phoned you because I told them to phone you. Because none of the other people I'd sent to retrieve you, including your limp-wristed manservant here, had managed to see the task to completion. What? You know Manchester United? I own Manchester United. Well, to be fair, I own Manchester. And most of the rest of Lancashire. The bloody footballers just came with the place. Is that how we built our vast fortune? Real estate? I'd always wondered about that. <laughs> what? God, no. Those are just investments. Do you really not know from whence your family's fortune originates? Well, don't you? Sorry, I thought that was one of those questions I weren't supposed to answer. <coughs> We're media tycoons, lad. Your grandfather purchased an American broadcasting concern back in the 50s, and I've turned it into the most popular and influential media conglomerate on the planet. Oh, do we own Nickelodeon? Was it named for me? Willikins, I told you that was named for me. You did in fact tell me that, sir, on a number of occasions. Ow! <coughs> Don't be thick, lad. Ever heard of the SVN Television Network? American Television? Ah, uh, you mean I own that load of reality rubbish and sitcom bollocks? No, I own it. And its radio counterpart, SVFM. 
And that rubbish and bollocks has earned me thousands of millions. Don't you mean billions? No, I most certainly do not. But if you own all that, where has my not inconsiderable fortune been coming from all these years? Licensing fees from your ridiculous inventions for a start. Inventions? You built that ridiculous Christmas robot for one. And a bloody brain-swapping machine. I don't remember any of this. And, of course, the royalties from that horrible song alone bring in several thousand thousand pounds per year. Song? Yes, this one. Simply having a werewolf Christmas time. Right, that thing. Did I do that? Sounds like me, and it is delightful, as I tend to be. I've no memory of doing this at all. Well, you're the one they make the bloody checks out to. Is checks really spelt with a Q? You can't live on the proceeds of that god-awful song forever, lad. It's time you made something of yourself. Start a business. Grow the brand. What, you mean Russell brand? I don't much care for... You're always going on about what you've always wanted to do. Well, now's your chance. I will invest six thousand, hundred thousand, million thousand, hundred thousand, point not not two pounds in a venture of your choosing. If you can double that investment in two years' time, your inheritance will be secure. If you fail, you'll be cut off. Got that? Good. Now think carefully, because your very future- I want you to open an England-themed amusement park in England. Done. Oh, Lord. Sarcastic Voyage has embarked on a modest undertaking to chronicle the entirety of human history in sketch form. Join us as we uncover the mysteries of the past in our ongoing feature which we call History. It's not as good as it used to be. In 1793, American inventor Eli Whitney perfected a device that streamlined the separation of seeds from cotton plants. Though incredibly popular, Whitney's device did not earn its creator any significant profit, forcing him back to the drawing board. Damn it, Henrietta. In 15 years, that contraption hasn't earned me so much as a codfish dollar. Eli, you know the currency of this republic superseded the fish-based paper bill of the old Massachusetts colony. Oh, that's right. You try spending a flounder or a trout at the old general store now, and you'll command as much respect as one of my patents. Which is not very much respect at all. Mr. Whitney, sir. Word from Melanta. The farmers resent your proposal suggesting that they pay you to clean their cotton with your gin. Also... The women folk are mighty concerned about a machine cleaning their cotton. Oh, those southern women always have their parasols in a twist over something. It's a perfectly hygienic process. I appreciate the expediency with which you've brought this concern to my attention. What is your name? Josiah Beth, Mr. Whitney. Well, young... Messenger, you're free to stay in our guest house tonight while I draft a response. Well, sir, this message is from three years ago. The farmers in question have already made their own cotton gins and are already enjoying the considerable prosperity that this has afforded them. This is outrageous! When I hear back from my patent lawyer, that'll be the end of this matter. Word from your patent lawyer, Mr. Whitney. 
Well, that was serendipitous. He says he can't stop the overwhelming deluge of cotton gin imitators. And then he babbled incoherently for a bit and started rocking back and forth and fell into open weaving, which made me very uncomfortable. Yes, yes, and? Uh, and then he shot himself. Sorry. Shot himself? That man needs medical attention. Fetch a doctor at once. Sir, this message is from over a year ago. I suppose this situation has sorted itself out, then. On the subject of gunplay and the fatal effect on the human form, I keep a loaded pistola within reach at all times. As decorum dictates, nay, insists I should not shoot the messenger, I suggest you both remove yourselves from my sight immediately. I beg your pardon, sir? What my husband is saying is... Get out, or he'll put one in your brain pan. Oh, I'm getting out of here. I swear to you, Henrietta, if I had a salmon nickel for every person who's tried to hornswoggle me out of my just rewards, I wouldn't have to worry about those bumpkins and their inferior counterfeits. What I need to do is invent something new and get the blasted paperwork right before those ingrates get their hands on it. Now, let's see. A device for... Shooting messengers? I like it. But it seems like getting the word out might be difficult. What about an automated corn shucker? Oh, I like that. Mainly because the southern ladies would have kittens if that became a household name. Well, as much as delighting you is my delight, we do need to keep the southerners happy. Their money, non-fish-based though it probably is, spends as well as any other money in these United States. What about some kind of means of automating, uh... Damn it, Henrietta, I don't know farms. Barley, wheat, is beef a plant, is corn a grass? I'm an inventor. I shouldn't have to know these things. Maybe... What people have responded to is the name. Cotton Gin. Does have a ring to it. Maybe we need to come up with a name and the invention will follow. That's good! Branding should be our first priority, then the content. You're talking like an idiot again, Eli. Unless you're referring to pressing searing hot metal into the posterior of a cow, branding isn't a word. Oh. Okay. What did you have in mind? So, cotton gin. What's like cotton gin? How about fennel rum? Or... Millet mead? What about rye whiskey? No, Eli, that's already a thing. And don't say millet beer, because so is that. Hey... Scotch? Sir, word from your patent lawyer. He's eager to begin the copywriting process for your new cotton gin and looks forward to a long and prosperous relationship. Did you have a second patent lawyer in reserve? No, this is still the first. This message is from four years ago, isn't it? Well, yes, sir. The quality of interstate roads is spotty at best, and large swaths of the wilderness between here and Philadelphia have not yet been cleared. So... <laughs> Perhaps it's not that you shouldn't shoot the messenger, but that you can't shoot the messenger. The hell I can't. Fetch me my quill. Inspiration is struck. Whitney never earned a single penny, fishy or otherwise, for his work on the cotton gin. But he did manage to live out his days in comfort, pursuing the American dream. 
Opening a gun factory. Well, gentlemen, I think you'll agree everything worked out just like I planned. Yeah, by the skin of your teeth. Curious, Doctor. A person with your distinguished medical credentials should be aware that human teeth are protected by a layer of enamel and not, as you say, skin. Alright, you know what? I have had it, you green-blooded son of a- Gentlemen, please. The important thing is we're all safe here on the Enterprise and we're off to our next adventure. Indeed. All of us, Captain? Well... Uh, yeah. What about that little felly from anthropology who was making goo-goo eyes at you? Oh, Yeoman Walters? She's been... transferred to the... USS, USS Hood. Hood. <laughs> Captain's log, stardate. I don't know. The clock doesn't work. Day 716. I think it's a Wednesday. Commander Helen Noel of the USS Hood. Hey, you can't record a captain's log. You're a woman. Our world of starship captains doesn't admit women. Count the stripes. I outrank you. Well, that may be true, but I have one of these. Oh, oh, oh. Put that away! I have three of those! Oh, oh. Does most genitals mean most captain? No! Everyone zip up and shut up! <laughs> Thank you. Now, does anyone know where we are? Oh, are we lost, honey? <laughs> Just like abroad, am I right? Diamato, you're the navigator. If we're lost, then it's your fault. Last I heard, one of them nacelles there was busted and the ship was just there flying around in a, the, what do you call it, a circle there. I think you'll find it's a parabola. Yeah, I'm a geologist. I don't know from parabolae. Yeoman Walters reporting for duty. Welcome aboard, Yeoman. So what brings you here? Did you spend a night with Captain Kirk or did you just succeed? Wait, I thought this transfer was a reward. The captain said the next step was promotion. <laughs> oh, sweetie, we've all heard that one. You're on the hood now. You know how the Enterprise is the Federation flagship and its crew are the best and the brightest that Starfleet has to offer? Sure, I've heard the loyalty oath. Well, this is where the best and the brightest go when they either outshine the captain and his two best friends, or he'd rather we just sort of fade into obscurity. But I recognize you. You're Helen Noel. You were the ship's psychiatrist on the Enterprise. I cannot imagine how that ship is getting on without me. They are screwed up. Your papers were required reading at the Academy. And to be honest, a bunch of us yeomen thought that you were on the shortlist to be the first female captain. I already told you. There's no room in our... Quiet! <clears throat> yes, well, you're right about all of that. But then there was the Christmas party. Oh, he says. We're off duty. Rank doesn't enter into it. Just call me Jim. I'm a man and you're a woman. Let's be a man and a woman together. So foolishly, I let the Romulan Ale decide for me and two days later my transfer came through. So you're telling me that you could staff an entire Constitution-class starship with all the people Kirk has... Well, not all of us. Some of us just thought that science officer of his didn't have enough compassion. I just wanted to throw an individual funeral for each member of the landing party who died. Which involved researching their cultural customs, religious preferences, 
and breaking out the dress uniforms. That does seem a bit excessive. Oh, not you, too. Are you a human or a computer? Guess I'd better get to work. Yeoman got a yo. <clears throat> so I assume the coffee is in here? Don't open that door! Yeoman, no! Stop! Ah! Ah! Why is this closet full of mats? Because this ship is terrible! This next sketch features Seattle-based comedy troupe Day Job. It features some language that some may consider... Hey, Al. What's going on? Oh, hi, Nate. I was just introducing this Day Job sketch and warning the audience. Warning them? Of what? What do they say in the sketch? I don't want to say. It makes me very uncomfortable. Whisper it to me. Well, Katie, one of the members of Day Job, is a redhead, and they call her a ginger in this sketch. Okay. And then they say the offensive thing. That is the offensive thing. Oh, God. Are you pretending that hair color is the same as race? I mean... Wait, what's this? Leave that alone. That's my ginger pride flag. I thought that was a bad word. It's okay if I say it. Your flag is a pale white arm covered in freckles raising a fist? That's in poor taste. Ah, uh, Nate, don't be like that. You were the last person I expected to be unsympathetic to the plight of my people. The last person? Why is that? Because you're... You know. No, I don't know. What am I? Go on, Al. Say what I am. You're, um, you're, uh, here's day job, everyone. Enjoy the sketch. Run, you white, cis, normative, heterosexual human being. I love doing that. Mm, how much longer? <sighs> Siri, how much longer to Sketchfest Seattle? Approximately one hour and 13 minutes to the Gorge Amphitheater. No, uh, Sketchfest Seattle. Skept Desk Needle. Sketchfest Seattle. Sketchfest Butthole. <sighs> Sketchfest Seattle. Approximately 30 minutes to Sketchfest Seattle. Huh. There we go. Thank you, Siri. <laughs> hey guys, can you roll up the window? My hair is blowing everywhere and it's making it hard to write. Guys, I am soups pumped for this pregnant seahorse sketch. It should be ready by the time we get there. Great. Oh, here comes the chorus. I can see your halo, halo, halo. I can see your halo, halo, halo. I can see your halo, halo, halo. Hold on, you guys. I think we took a wrong turn. Siri, directions from current location to Sketchfest, Seattle. Currently, 45 minutes off route. Turn around and exit at Mount Rainier National Park. Mount Rainier? That can't be right. Guys, we can't miss Drop the Root Beer and Run. I want to see that salamander sketch. God damn it. Siri, you better not fuck this up for us. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Okay, let me just restart it. Um, Siri, shut down. I'm sorry, Katie. I can't let you do that. Um... Just try it again. I am trying, Nicole. Nothing's happening. I knew we should have just used a regular map. Don't kid yourself! We can't read maps! Guys, keep it down. I'm trying to write Norbit's line, and it's really hard to concentrate with all of this arguing. You named the seahorse Norbert? Yeah. Why? No, that's... that's great. Super funny name. That's a stupid name, Kara. Uh, guys? Yeah, no, that was weird. 
do. You know what? I'm sure we just heard him wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're probably right. Totally. Adrenaline, am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's sunny out. Your mother heard it wrong last night. <laughs> Let's get real, ladies. Norbert is the least of your problems. None of your sketches are up to par for Sketchfest. Plus, women, comedy, ha. Talk about a good joke. What do you know? You don't even have a soul. You can't know what's funny. I think we all know who doesn't have a soul here. Who? Whoa, oh, rude! Why you gotta be so rude? Okay, listen, listen. We can't let this computer come between us. We have a show to do, and we need to be a team! Never mind the ginger. What you really need is a sketch that works. Like three pigeons trying to perform for a man on a park bench. Lots of great opportunity for physical work. That's actually a super good idea. Or a sketch where Waldo can't get the reader to find him. You'd make a great Waldo, KT. Brilliant. Happy to oblige. Perhaps I could be a permanent member of day job. Even write myself into one of your sketches. Very meta. Holy shit, she's good. Maybe we could have her write Leave a- the sketch ideas to me. You focus on improving that horrendous Aussie accent, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> Stab you all the knife. Better. Now, Nicole, turn on that car, and Katie, turn up Beyonce. Let's get you ladies to sketch fast, but whole. Rowdy. Who runs the world, girls? Five ruling heads of the Vampirnomorphs for an unprecedented meeting. I've got to stop that meeting. For 17 generations since the fall of the Age of Man, we Vampirnomorphs have battled for control of this dark, pretty wasteland. But to do it, I'll need to gather the three most ruthless mercenary bounty hunters in this dystopian horrorscape of a future. Cade Crimson. I'm retired. We need you to come out of retirement. All right, but I'm not doing it for you, old man. I'm doing it for little Daisy. Kane Bloodborne. My wife is dead. I have no reason to live. Then what about a reason to die? I'm in. And Cade Kincaid. I'm not working with him. My wife was killed by the Grim Stapo because of him. Do any of you have living wives? <sighs> All right, I'm in. To stop the Dark One and his advancing army of the night, these three ruined warriors must become more than heroes. <laughs> they must become anti-heroes. The end of the apocalypse was just the beginning. Now begins the blood-pocalypse! Don't you guys think it's weird that Lord Cyanife has the same scar over his left eye that I do? I have that same scar. Me too. It's here. Under my eye patch. Oh. Oh. God, Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Sakulon is attacking the Dino Dome. Calling the deformed laser karate dinosaur squad. The doctor, the man said. I'm Mustache Charlie. 
Well, it's funny if you're a clown. Anyway, hello everyone, I'm Marco the Clown, attorney at law. And we're all here today to finally settle the estate of Mustache Charlie. We're not entirely sure why he chose Pagliacci and Sons to handle his estate, as we specialize in clowns and clown-related litigation. You know, jesters, harlequins, punchinellos, that sort of thing. But he insisted, and in fact, for many of us, the late Mustache Charlie was literally the only person we ever met who thought clowns were funny. Not like, ironically, he actually seemed to take genuine pleasure from our shenanigans. And so, here we are. As many of you know, Mr. Charlie died in 2013. But as the implementation of his final wishes was handled by... Well, by clowns, you can imagine the comedy of errors that ensued. Huh? Huh? Ca so in the meantime, his only living heir died and... Well, this video will explain the rest. We had to track down a Betamax machine to make it work, even though it was recorded in late 2012. Like I said, comedy of errors. Here's the tape. Hey there, I'm Musty's Journey. And if you're seeing this, I'm dead. Torn apart by koalas or possums or some other kind of marsupial. Sorry, can you uh, stop the tape for a minute? I thought he died in an ironic mishap involving a Halloween prop. Yes, that's right. Mr. Charlie recorded over 30 videos in anticipation of his own demise. This was the closest one we could find to what actually happened. Also, most of the other tapes were blank since he decided to store them next to one of those giant red horseshoe magnets. This tape details my final wishes, but I do have one wish above all. Please don't be sad that I'm gone. Almost said Charlie had a good run on this big blue marble we called the Earth. I saw the best sights the world had to offer, from Beirut to Baltimore. I lived through a few incidents that some people referred to as disasters. I personally preferred to think of them as disaster-tunities. Like recently, when that parents group sued me for using the song Mustang Sally to advertise my children's restaurant, it never occurred to me that the lyrics, Ride Mustache Ride, would be offensive. But now I know. And as my old grandpa used to say, no one is half the battle. Anywho, despite all the disaster-tunities, I managed to squirrel a good chunk of cash away. Most of it came from that Japanese game show, who thought that was a good idea. Which, according to the OED, is a phrase that actually originated with me. Who knew? So if it turns out that I don't have any living heirs left to accept my money, which is a real possibility given my family's tendency toward fatal learning experiences, I've given my attorneys instructions to disperse the money to a worthy cause. Because one thing I've always tried to do in my life is help people. Oh, we've had a few missteps here, there as well. I'm not sure if the head of my philanthropic society was actually dyslexic or he was trying to punk me, but we ended up giving a lot of money to a lot of non-existent organizations before we figured out that it was time to let him go. Turns out over $100,000 went to Beast Cancer Awareness, Toes for Tots, Habit Trail for Humanity, the Global Hunger Games Project, Pig Brothers, Pig Sisters, Apathy International, and Doctors Without Trousers. But I think we have it all sorted now. And if you can convince the folks in charge of my estate that you can help the world with my money, it's yours! Uh, we will now hear your appeals. Uh, one at a time, please. Uh, you, sir. You first. Well, howdy, Mr. Charlie. I am what is commonly referred to as a boy. You will know my tawny head of golden curls, my circa 1898 sailor suit, and... Of course, 
my impish grin. Uh, you do realize that Mr. Charlie has been dead for two years, and you're not actually addressing him. Oh, I'm sorry. When I saw him inside that glowing box, I thought he was just naturally tiny and flickering. Oh, this could take all damn day. What would you do with the deceased's unclaimed millions? Well, I am, as I mentioned, a boy. What I really desire in my heart of hearts is to graduate from boy to cowboy. I'd like very much to trade in my giant lollipop for a lasso, or a lasso if you prefer. I'd like to swap out my shiny patent leather shoes for a pair of shiny spurs attached to a pair of boots for preference. If I could purchase myself, say, one to three head of cattle in the aforementioned accoutrement, I would be well on my way to achieving this goal. Uh, thanks. We'll, uh, we'll let you know. But I already picked out a hat. It's on layaway. Thank you. It's a half-gallon hat. I was really hoping to get those other nine and a half gallons. Next! Hello. I'm a grande Italiana guy. Well, that's why I carry around this wheelbarrow full of the spicy meatballs, so I can get up to the venti. It's my hope to get the voice lessons, so I can clear up this ridiculous accent and become a famous opera singer. And uh, how does this help the world, exactly? Well, once I'm a renowned singer over the opera, I can join one of those benefit concert things. You know, we are the world. Band aid. Live aid. Live aid. That sort of thing. I sing her a song, they write the check, I keep the money, they feed the children, everybody's happy. I'm sorry, did you just say you'd keep the money? Oh, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant to say at all. Your language is a, oh, come as it dice, a, a beach for me. That's why I wanted the voice lesson, so I kind of say, I'll keep the money. Thank you, next. Oh, well, Timmy. I guess you're not gonna eat. <coughs> That's okay. I'll go see what's in the dumpster, I guess. You keep out of our dumpsters! Hello. I am a trained matador. I have these one, two, three heads of cattle. Uh, hang on, I'm gonna write down a phone number for you. Just, uh, yeah. Next! Right, so we got Big Terry. He's the muscle. We got Dan. He's the getaway driver. We, Terry, she's our man on the inside. We got Hutch, he's the fence. And me, I'm the brains of the operation. We do a daring broad daylight job. Everyone's still woozy from lunch. They won't even touch the alarms till after we're in the lorry, over the rail and far away. All we need to get started is a little seed money, right? I'm sorry, is this some kind of a caper? Well, it was. Until you just bungled it. Bollocks. We've been planning this for months. And this bloody clown just goes and bloody bungles it. Hello! I notice a distinct pattern in those other applicants. They don't seem at all interested in helping the world. I know! It's like they didn't even watch the video! Well, I did. And it dovetails nicely with my life's work. You see, our planet is in deadly danger. Oh no! Is it? Yes! From the scourge of post-consumer waste. From our increasing reluctance to stop using fossil fuels. From the ever-growing hole in the ozone layer. I thought we fixed that. Yes, but for how long? Let me tell you something, friend. There are two things that people have trouble believing are real. Global climate change and vampires. 
and I'm here to tell you they're both real. Oh my goodness, that's terrifying. I never imagined climate change could exist outside of horror novels and Bazooka Joe comic strips. Believe it. As someone who intends to live forever, I'd very much like to do it on a planet that's not choked with styrofoam Big Mac boxes. Uh, in fairness, they haven't used those in years. Yes, but they're still around, rotting or not rotting in landfills. But with this funding, I can dispose of them properly. Oh yeah, how? By dumping them on the wolfman's lawn. That'll show him. No, close the curtain! Though it's an infinitely renewable source of clean energy, the sun is fatal to the likes of me. I thought garlic killed you guys. Everything kills us! Read the book! Well, you're obviously not going to close it. So listen, I'm currently crumbling to... Yep, there go my legs. To dust. Be a dear, close the goddamn curtain, then sweep me up and sprinkle a little virgin's blood on me, then we can... <laughs> oh, look at that, he did turn to dust. Uh, do we have any virgin's blood? Do we know any virgins? Oh, who am I kidding? Who gets more tail than a clown? Ah, thank you, fellas, here we go. Why? You fool, that wasn't virgin's blood. You've revived me with seltzer water. Now I'm a vampire clown who cares about the environment. No one will take me seriously now that I'm such a tired old cliché. Thank you very much, everyone. That's our showver. What are you doing? That's a portmanteau of show and over. Just, just leave it to the professionals, okay, Al? So we actually have a letter here from a listener. Listeners? Do we still even have those? This letter comes from Rod Tanzall, and it says, Dear Matt, Al, your better halves, and unpaid voice acting players. Well, I'm not letting any of those people answer this. Your nature as an international collaboration makes me think, what does it mean to be Canadian? What does it mean to be American? Is there an answer greater than paperwork? Ultimately, though, does your residency on the internet and a fictitious space station null these distinctions? <laughs> well, obviously he means our very real space station that absolutely exists here in geosynchronous orbit over Papua New Guinea. As for your question, Rod, I just moved to America, so every time I think a Canadian thought, I have to give myself a good right thrashing with this cat of nine tails. Oh, you guys were metric up there. Shouldn't it be a cat of ten tails? Oh, yeah, the metric system. <laughs> Damn it. I love doing that. As for me, I'm married to a Canadian, so like a common convicted felon or citizen of Washington, D.C., I don't get to vote anymore. Well, who would you vote for if you could? I don't know. Is Ross Perot still a thing? I know Dana Carvey still wishes he was a thing. Seriously, though, I'd vote to allow Quebec to secede from the tyranny of the Canadian crown. Ugh, son of a damn... <clears throat> if you'd like to write to us, as young Rod has, the address, as ever, is sarcasticvoyage at gmail. Also, be sure to check out our website at sarcasticvoyage.com, where you can find every sketch we've ever produced, along with radio plays, serials, and original songs. That website is on the internet, which you can access with computers. Also, telephones. That doesn't make any sense. Also, if you enjoyed the sketch from Day Job, you can hear an interview with them on episode 25 of my More Bits podcast on iTunes and at more-bits.com. Now that's what I call synergy. No, it isn't. That's what you made me call synergy in this script that you wrote. Safe journeys, everyone! <laughs> This episode of the Sarcastic Voyage podcast starred Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham with Duncan Bosco, Mark Bosco, Dave Fields, Nathan Lajeunesse, Caitlin Obum, Joseph Ravenson, Amanda Smith, Sabrina Snyder, and Jason Wallace. With a special appearance by Katie Auld, Kara O'Connor, Nicole Santora, and Molly Tellers. 
It was written by Ron Algar Watt with Matt Robotham, Amanda Smith, and special guest writers, Day Job. It was produced by Algar Productions, copyright 2015. Asshole, it won't get any greener if you water it. Go! God damn it! Just go! What is wrong with you people? <coughs> Who are you? I'm Traffy, the traffic safety sprite! And I'm here to teach you an important lesson on courtesy on the roads! Gee, Traffy, that sounds important and all, but I move your fucking truck! Kind of busy at the moment. Nobody's too busy to learn about road rage. It's really calm down before somebody gets. Hey, did those three cars just slip in in front of you while I was talking? <sighs> yes. The people in this city can't merge to save their lives. Roll down the window. What? The window. Roll it down. Let me just jump on your lap there so I can. Hey, 